Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 505. It's our roundtable discussion show. We've got a great panel. I think I've rustled up some interesting stories, but I will let the panel decide on that, my fate. Uh, um, I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves and then we will rock on to the stories. Uh, Michelle, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure thing. I am Michelle Butcher-Jones. I am from Southern Illinois. I run a blog called can'tspeakgeek.com, have my own WordPress um, agency, 13 Core, and then also work for Thrive Agency as their support technician. Oh, well, there we go. You've got your five banner. You're well set up. Um, Spencer, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Yes, I'm Spencer Farman. Very sweaty and nervous. No, I'm just kidding. I went for a beautiful run this morning because Chicago has now joined the summer. Um, so uh, I'm over at launchflows.com. Well, that's great. And Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, Steven Satter from zipfish.io. We uh, have blazing fast servers, but we don't just stop there. We also optimize WordPress code. That's great. And got my friend, John Locke. John, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. My name is John Locke, and my business is Lockdown Design and SEO, and we help manufacturing and industrial firms with SEO. Yeah, and before we go on to the main stories, I want to mention our sponsors that help me keep this show going. My main sponsor I like to mention is Kinster. Kinster is a WordPress hosting company. They've been the main sponsor of the show for about over two years. Um, I also host the WP Tonic website with them. Um, they're just a great hosting company. If you're looking for a great hosting provider for yourself or for your clients and you've got a WooCommerce website, or a learning management system set up, i.e. you're selling courses, um, you need something better than the average hosting package um, that you get from certain people. Um, and Kinsta provides that. They provide also all the bells and whistles, all the technology um, that you would want, one, um, one click backup. You can select what PHP you want. They're blazing fast as well. And the main thing is you get fantastic 24-7 support from them. And it's some of the best support that I've got from a hosting company. Um, I truly um, mean that. Um, if that sounds really great, go over to Kinster, um, select one of their packages, and also tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. Our other sponsor is WP Fusion. Now, if you if you need to do modern marketing, and we all need to do that, you, you're going to need a CRM. Um, and you need your WordPress website to be able to communicate the best way possible with that external CRM. Now, if you want that for yourself or for your clients, you need WP Fusion because that's what it does. It, it puts that kind of communication that you really need on steroids. So go over to WP Fusion, not only for yourself, but for your clients. See what they've got to offer. I think when you start using it, you're going to be blown away. And also tell them that you heard about them on the WP Fusion show. So let's go on to the first story. Um, Yoast requires duplicated posts and brings on creator, I'm going to destroy his name, uh, Riso Bacchi. 
as senior developer. What did you think of this one, Spencer? Uh, my, okay, my mic's on. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those stories I'm just making a guess. I mean, it's good for the developer, but this is one of those stories that doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of... Like, you, you, I don't know if it's me, but you you seem very light on your mic. Hold on one second. Let me make sure I'm on. I had a USB cable issue. Huh? I'm going to unplug. Well, well what you... just doing that. I, I think something that uh, is interesting is just the uptick. It seems like increasing uptick of larger plugins in um, acquiring smaller plugins, larger hosting or what, what, what the large guys are acquiring the small guys. And it feels like everybody's kind of jumping in the fray and it feels like also some of the acquisitions start making less and less sense. And it almost feels sort of a position, like a positioning statement. If I can acquire a plugin or a or another plugin, like it, it positions me in a market as a industry leader because now I'm doing what other large plugins or hosting companies or automatic is doing. Um, but it's, I think from a plugin standpoint, it's a solid plugin to acquire because it's an awesome plugin. Like as far as like something that has a really solid code base that has a really loyal following and, um, a plugin that does what it says it does and like works 99.99999% of the time. Um, that's, that's a pretty big achievement, especially with all the different types of posts there are out there, all the different theme builders there are out there. But Duplicate Post is able to kind of just handle all that. Um, they've done a really good job on that. Yeah, I think it's probably an attempt to diversify because obviously it's in these very changing days, just depending on one income source probably is a little bit, you know. What do you reckon, Spencer? We're going to have a go with Spencer again. How's my mic sounding now? Is it normal or is it still bad? Sounds a little bit better. You want to increase the volume a little bit. Uh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll try to talk loud for now. But um, the thing that I make... Uh, Man, it's full volume. I don't know what's oh. going on. So, all right, might be me. Okay. So, uh, what I make of this is there's no obvious reason to acquire this plugin other than for eyeballs because it's a free plugin. There are at least six or eight plugins I can think of off the top of my head that duplicate a post. Uh, technically, the function of duplicating a post is already built into the API WordPress, so there's nothing magical. So, the only thing that makes sense is that Yoast while not, let's say, going out of business in any way, shape, or form, realizes that SEO is evolved, and there's other competitors, by the way, who have outstanding SEO plugins that don't do all the nonsense that Yoast does, and I would never use Yoast myself or recommend them to a client. So maybe they're trying to get some exposure into other areas of WordPress uh, by association. You know. Yeah, yeah, probably. What do you reckon, Michelle? You know, this is not really the first time we've seen this happen. Back in about 2015, Yoast sold Monster Insights over to um, Syed. That's right. I forgot about and that. Uh, you're right and about that's that. been an amazing thing. And uh, Chris Wigman sold Better WP Security to iThemes. Um, and it became iTheme Security. So this isn't really a big surprise for me because... <clears throat> Oftentimes what it is, is people get kind of tired of um, doing the support on it, want to move to a different project and stuff, especially when it comes to the free plugins. And the other plugins, it's like, sure, we can pick it up. And they already have an established support team 
for like the other plugins they run and stuff. So it's not that big of a difference to say we're going to add this plugin with this whole docs onto it and just continue on your way. Yeah, that was a good point. Thanks, Michelle. What do you reckon, John, to finish off? Yeah, I, I think it's just like Michelle said. I think it's, um, and, and Stephen said, this is an aqua hire to get talent. Uh, but also, you know, they have 3 million um, users. So it'll probably be like an awesome motive situation where they leverage um, owning duplicate posts to, to perhaps get some more eyeballs on the Yoast family of plugins. I'm really curious to see if we're going to get some nice banner ads like Black Friday 2019. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Could be probably. exciting times. <laughs> I, I, love I, think, I think the problem that we have with Yoast <laughs> and other bigger companies right now is not dissimilar to corporate America where there are certain good actors, bad actors, and some people that aren't necessarily badly uh, incentivized, but they're just by their nature of what they are, are being pushed to do stuff that's naughty. So we see like Elementor is, is pushing the limits of the GPL with their registration of the pro, right? Still no word on that. Three, four weeks later, they've taken a stand like, we're going to do it and we're going to claim it's this or that. But nobody has spoken up, not Matt or anybody from Automatic or WordPress.org. In the Yoast case, you've got all the shenanigans that happen with their behavior at their parties and all the past. But the plugin itself is a pig. I keep saying this because you put that in and it does a million things you don't expect it or want it to. It self-advertises. It's heavy, blah, blah, blah. And yet it's sort of the default thing because he's He's benefited from being a founder in the space. And when you do a search, like you open up your plugin uh, repository, oh, Yoast is the first thing you see. So they take advantage of that. Now, the only good actor that I can say has never said done anything other than I think he's like the most wonderful human being is Sayed. Sayed has done nothing. He's like the, uh, the, the guy who does those YouTube videos for free that teach all the kids. I forget the name and the fella who started that. But he seems almost like completely altruistic, altruistically motivated. And that's the kind of behavior that I really appreciate because I don't know if I'd be that nice about it, but look at the financial rewards that come from it. So what I take from all this is that acquiring smaller plugin authors could be good. Maybe it's going to help out with like the do other things that remediate their, their past behavior, but more likely it's just to get their hooks into other areas to fix the bad reputation that's come from their previous actions. And I, I just am suspicious in that regard. I think, yeah, I think sometimes that's right. And then sometimes it's the other factors. I think it varies. On to the next story. Khan, uh, Khan Academy. Sorry, I just had yeah. a senior moment. There we go. Crisis mode. This is from The Verge. This is about employees at crisis text line. Um who can ask? Oh, John, I don't know if you had time to move this story. What did you think of it? Well, I read this. Yeah, this is, um, wow. I mean, where to start? This is like a thing where people are trying to be sensitive, I guess, to, uh, you know, black people and other minorities, but it's, it's completely like missing the mark. So first, you know, you have this crisis text line and they're they're not understanding like why people are still upset uh about the guy who got killed in Georgia. He was just minding his own business jogging, and uh you know ten you know he was basically lynched by uh uh three white guys who thought he you know quote unquote 
you know, look like a suspect or something. Um, but 10 weeks later, you know, people were still on this crisis text line. But I, 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 from what I understand here, what I'm reading, like this founder, um, they made like a little video and they wanted to have like more diverse stuff. So the, the founder, who's a white woman, um, voiced this character who's, who's like a, a black person. So it's, it's just really weird. And, and, you know, having the employees like pick out black names, quote unquote, for uh, the the avatars of of yeah, well, that was the bit I loved. Yeah, yeah that was the bit. Yeah, I loved. it's 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 just weird. Yeah, it's just weird. How about hire some black people? That would be a good start. <laughs> well, that would be original. But there we go. What did you, what did you reckon about this one, Stephen? Um, I I thought it was really interesting how the article just like felt really normal about at the beginning about like this company right trying to figure out do they make this post do they not make this post and I feel like from I was talking to like some um, business leaders um, the other day and like they were kind of struggling with that too. Like, what, what do we do as a business? What do we post? But then as you go down the article, you're just like, wait, like, like there are underlying issues. Like it's not just about a social media post. Like there is like some systemic issues that are uh, a bigger problem at play than just whether they make this one post or not. Um, and some weird oddities. And so like it started off as this real normal, like, okay, I think everybody's probably in this situation. Like, do we make these posts? How do we make these posts? How are we sensitive? And then like, oh man, like not, this is getting twisted and it's all going sideways all of a sudden kind of, kind of took me for a ride. I think um, something that was been really interesting about everything going on is I, w- I was talking to this one CEO and he was tr- saying that how he feels in this weird moral middle place because he feels like moral responsibility to talk about racism and the issues with, you know, police and violence and um, systemic racism in the United States and his employees are pressuring him to do that. But then he has some investors who are, you know, old white guys, and he's also responsible to them who do not want their company or that company to like step into those waters at all. And he's like, I'm like, I have moral obligations to my employees. I have moral obligations to the people that have invested in my company. And I have moral obligations to myself. And just like this internal turmoil and struggle of trying to like weed through that and figure out like where he was going to stand, I think um, is a very real thing that a lot of people are facing and working through. Um, But I think at the end of the day, it's like what's morally right um, and morality takes precedence over money. And you know, I was gonna, before I was going to ask Spencer, you know, do you think this kind of, um, do you really think all this kind of ropey behaviour always comes from, from the attitudes and stance of the founders or the controlling element of a company? And it just kind of, they hire similar people. It, the attitude kind of filters down from the top to the bottom and that's why you get this kind of bizarre behaviour in a lot of companies because because the, the top people are bizarre. What, what do you reckon about that, Spencer? I mean, I, I was a psychology student in college and history is something I enjoy reading about. And if you look historically, this right now is a very, I mean, I, I'm exhausted by the fact that we're in 2020 and that we're still having a problem with race and gender and other kinds of equality because I just find as an, what I like to think is an enlightened person, I don't see why everybody doesn't get that we're all the same. But I'm also a realist. 
if you look historically and in a psychology terms, they've proven that you could take two groups of kids in a college who are exactly the same and you put labels on one of the groups of the kids and then you tell the other groups of the kids they're the police or they're the 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 you know the army men or women or something they will do physical harm onto the other people just because they were told that they are different and i think that this comes from corporate interests the way people are raised, the lack of education, religion, politics, is that you just pick your poison when somebody lives in an, a non-enlightened environment and they're given one viewpoint by one overwhelming group of people, they will hate somebody who is different. And it's exhausting because this is so, to me at least, so transparently obvious <laughs> that this is just not equal on so many levels. And yet, here we are. It's like 1968 part two. So I don't know if it's the old white men in the corporation or it's the politicians du jour or it's the fact that a lot of these people are living in their own bubble of I've got the money, you don't. And so I can call this group and that group a certain name. But I feel like we're doing one thing unique now, which is very hopeful to me, is that unlike in the 60s, we now have this everyday in your face social media. And everybody realizes you could travel around the world when planes fly again or talk to your person across the world as if they're your neighbor. Hopefully, finally, we will make some progress towards like leveling this whole thing out that people are people no matter what. And I know it's never going to be, not everybody's the same or same talent or same you know, experience, but at least just because you're this color or this gender or this preference or anything does not mean you fall into a group of like you're different than me or less than me or something else. So, Michelle, you know, I've kind of, because um, um, a couple of years ago, I went over 55. So I, I now get the age ageism um, sent to me, you know. So it's obviously the, um, the the four horsemen of the apocalypse, racism, sexism, ageism. And I don't, I don't know what the, what, against English people, maybe. So I, I classify them as the four apocalypse. Now, they've reared their head really quite substantially in 2020 what what slightly big question could you insight why they've reared their head so avidly in this in this year um i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're growing very comfortable in sharing our opinions more on the social media platforms um, this year, especially, tensions are already high because we're having to live a completely different life than we had to live in 2019 with the COVID type stuff yeah. and things like that. And everyone's on high emotions with it. And I think right now it's really hard for businesses on a lot of these types of issues because oftentimes there is no real right answer. Um, with yeah, it, and I, I, think, I think what you're saying is there was plenty of tinder there, so only needs the old spark and boom, you got a real wildfire on your hand. Yeah, yeah we like have it. we have real issues that need to be dealt with when it comes to racism, sexism, classism, and all of that. However, on the flip side of it, there are some people who are going to be angry just for the, the sake of being angry. Yeah, yeah, and, that's true. 
they're, they're good points. Yeah, but it, I think this company needs um, <laughs> some some advice from um, somebody that has um, got um, a calmer personality. I don't know. Yeah, they um, definitely need to hire one of those like HR cleaners type people. Yes, a cleanser. They need to. They need to hire a cleanser. On to the next story. On to the next story, I should I suggest. I thought it was an interesting story, though. The Ver, the verb um the verge do a good write-up sometimes. Uh, um, um review signal publishes a WordPress hosting benchmarks for 2020. So what did you think of this one, Stephen? I thought this this when I saw this story, I thought it would be the right thing for Stephen to remark about. I wish we could uh qualify for the review benchmarks. Unfortunately because we do like uh, actual site optimization and hosting bundled together, like that kind of disqualifies us because they do pure host testing and like, they don't want people messing around with stuff. Um, and that's where the, like the real magic happens, right? Like when you can do um, optimize the code that runs on the site and on the server, but um, it's always interesting. I always look forward to the articles um, that comes out and all of the uh, stats and metrics. Um, and I thought it was cool that they added a WooCommerce. Um, aspect to it because WooCommerce is a whole beast in itself and it's not always a friendly beast. Um, so I think it's cool that the, it, it moves it from like a little bit more of a, to a more like practical um, test when it comes to e-commerce things um, because it's a tangible thing saying like, what is a setup that is trying to do business logic, order processing um, and all of this stuff. So I thought it was interesting. It'll be interesting to see if more uh, hosting providers hop on to the WooCommerce um, tests and if they get even more metrics outside of that. But I, I thought it was a good read. Oh, he's gone. All right. Uh, what do you reckon about this one, John? I um, <clears throat> Yeah, I always enjoy reading these and just seeing what the actual um, stats are. There's like a couple companies that didn't participate this year all of our friends. Uh, but, you know, it, yeah, it was really kind of surprising to me, this one that kind of, I, I started hearing about this last year, WPX uh, seemed to be doing okay. Um, but yeah, I'm always interested in, in seeing the, the actual, you know, stats and, and grades on this. And this one doesn't seem to be all about the affiliate commission. Sometimes you'll see these like ones that are like, yeah. you know, here's the top 10 WordPress ones and Bluehost is like at the top or something. It's like, okay, yeah, so. Yes. So what do you reckon, Spencer? That was interesting that uh, the guy who runs the test or is it, I don't know, who, is it a man or a woman? I'm not sure. But uh, I think it's, I think it was a fella. And uh, he puts in the bottom of the article that he charges a testing fee to be tested. <laughs> So, for example, testing fee disclosure, which is nice, they disclose it, that the companies paid, you know, 50 to 250 bucks, 300 bucks to be tested and so forth, retested. So it's an income generator for them. The thing I don't find at all useful about this is that this is like talking about cell phone carriers text messaging. Like, I'm testing cell phone carriers for how well they send text messages. It's a moot point. Because every one of these goes so far above and beyond what's necessary at the price point they're asking to run a basic thing that you could pick any of these, it would make no difference. The only differentiator today between hosting companies 
is what vertical niche do they specialize in? So if they talked in this article, which things for WooCommerce does this particular hosting company do for you? That would be interesting to just sort of say like speed or running it. It's like, yeah, they all go way past 99% what you need. So good, have fun. And by the way, I made 2,500 bucks from writing this article. Well, that was one of the interesting, uh, I was was hoping, if none of you had mentioned it, I was going to mention it myself because that was one of the key, one of the other factors why I I put this story in our list is that uh, I I really got some problems with this, you know, and I, I don't know if there was really a discussion at the tavern about this and if Sarah... Now, I love Sarah Gooding. You know, she's been a member of the Tavern crew for ages. And I love Justin, and I think he's written some great stories. But I I really question why this was put on the Tavern, and especially this geezer charging people to actually produce a story. What do you reckon, Michelle? This geezer is probably like, a third of your age and my age, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I just, I've just got some real problems with this, Michelle. What do you reckon? One, I hate lists. I hate lists. <laughs> but I do hate lists less if they come with some documentation, like how they did their views and everything. Um, like. Because you will see the, what's the best hosting? And it's always the same contenders who have the best affiliate affiliate setups. Or the, be, the, more, the best buzzword ones. And, and Well, the thing is, Michelle, somebody approached me at WP Tonic and, so, and said to me, well, I'm doing a survey of the, you know, of the best support companies um, in the WordPress marketplace, and I'm going to do a write-up, but I'm going to have to charge you $250 um, because we're going to have to set up an account and blah, blah, blah. At best, they they would get crickets from me. At worst, uh, um, it would probably be an email with a lot of um, words that I don't want to express on this actual podcast. So I really have the gore this guy uh it's quite amazing okay but here's here's the thing it takes a lot of time and effort to run he doesn't have to do it does he you know that's what i'm gonna say load testing takes load testing takes resources it's not just it's not just like hey i'm gonna make a review of this wordpress plugin and all i have to do is get the wordpress plugin like it actually takes time effort and server resources to run these load tests. It's open yes. for everybody. And it is the only review that I have ever seen that does at least somewhat good job of a scientific method of testing servers year over year. So we at least have some benchmark and it's not just people's opinions. It's actually documented. And if it costs 250 to $300 or whatever to document that for a hosting company to enter, like I think that is a low cost for the amount of work that has gone into make this. Yes, but in a way, I kind of look at it too as joining the um, Chamber of Commerce or those BNI meetings. 
but the Chamber of Commerce doesn't run your business through like testing and then publish the test whether you want it to or not. It's not like he's going to, he, I don't think he holds any information back. So like if you fail, he's going to let people know you fail and your hosting sucks. If you're great, he's going to let people know it. I do reviews on Can't Speak Geek as well. And the most I have ever asked for is like a free plugin or just like a free three months so I can throw my testing at it and then moving on. I think the asking for money of it turns it more into a paid review, which can still be a little skewed because of the fact of, you know, they're not testing all of them because if you don't, if you're not paying for it, we won't do it, which is not showing the whole picture. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, I actually think it would be more better just to say, I'm, I'm, this article's been sponsored by this hoster, this hoster, this hoster. You know, I, you know, this podcast is supported by Kinster, but hopefully the listeners and viewers, um, you know, I, if, I, if I really thought Kinster was rubbish, absolutely terrible hosting company i a i wouldn't have them as a sponsor and b i wouldn't see their prices so much because i think i've been a, a pretty effective advocate for kinster over the past couple of years and they, they've been very happy with my efforts but the only reason why I, you know they are sponsoring the show and their sponsorship is really uh, most welcome but i actually do believe they're a pretty good hosting company mm-hmm really try their best you know they're not perfect but compared to some of the other rubbish that i have to work with which will remain nameless but have wasted hours of my life which i will never get back uh, um i think they're one of the better ones uh, um, and that's like i get emails all the time about please review our products please review our plugins please review our hosting and i tell them i was like you know sure i'd be happy to review it even write a blog post for it however i do not do any review any post any advertising any anything with a product i have never used no because you've got to be authentic it's a bit difficult if you never used it isn't it mhm because yeah. there's oftentimes they'll send you a write-up that you can just kind of re ad lib a little bit and post it. I have seen happen, and that's just you're being unauthentic. Then, yeah, there we go. We're going to go for a break. Adrian, my co-host, joined has joined the panel. We've got some more interesting stories after the break. We will be back in a moment. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WPTonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WPTonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WPTonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WPTonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. Coming back, I've got my horse about story free. Uh, I think it's just a cheat myself, but there we go. Other panelists disagreed with me in there. Most welcome to do that. It makes it interesting episode on to before we go on to our next stories i want to talk about a webinar that me and spencer forum are doing on 
<laughs> July, Tuesday the 7th of July at 9am. It's going to be a free webinar. It's going to be about his great product, Launch Flows, but it's also going to be about WP Fusion and how you use WP Fusion with your favorite, you know, active campaign, drip, how, how you get it started. It's going to be a great webinar. I'm really looking forward to it. It's always a blast doing these with Spencer. We did our first one at the beginning of this month. It was a great success. We propose to do a few more. Um, how do you join? Well, you just go to the WP Tonic website and in the top menu, um, there's a button that says free webinar and you just click it sign up and you'll be notified as the date comes closer. And like I say, it's 9am Pacific Standard Time, and that's on the 7th of July. Please join us. It should be a blast. On to story four. Um, Want your content to succeed. Make it resonate with the right audience. And this this article two, three weeks ago. Pardon? We already looked at this article or Rand Fishkin is reusing all of his graphics because if you look down to the graphics, he had a conversation about that green circle. And I think Michelle was even on the show or maybe it was uh, Sally, but we, no, we I was about this. right. Yeah. And you pointed out it's this, it's different, but I'm like, no, I don't understand the graphic. And we talked about this. Image. Oh, right. So I've had, I, you know, I've had a brain fart. So uh, um, on to the next story. I apologize. I thought, I thought, it was I thought a it's, a good sto- it's a good story anyway, though. We can just quickly knock off a few points about it. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about <laughs> your latest one. Can you, because you've done another good story. But I, I was just thinking that I couldn't do two of your stories in a row one week after another, but you did another nice little story, which I enjoyed reading, Adrian, and that was about how to get five-star reviews, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, is that? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, let's go for that one. Can you okay. give us the outline of it and why you, why you decided to write it? Sure. So a little bit of context. Uh, over the last two years, I have generated uh, 55 five-star reviews on our WordPress.org repository listing, which comes out to about a 5% five-star review rate for every single one of our customers that, that we currently have using our products. Uh, and I shared my process for creating those reviews and uh, some of the insights that I've, that I've learned when the best time to ask reviews. So essentially, uh, if I were to take kind of like my three golden nuggets out of that article that I put in there, uh, my first one would be that incentivizing reviews is just an outright terrible idea. I tried it uh, in my early days. I'm like, hey, listen, leave a review. And if you want to upgrade your license, we'll just send you a discount code. So I found that doing the incentivization process has two issues with it. Uh, Number one, it's really hard to track. Uh, if people actually received that email, uh, if they went to go actually do the review and then to deliver on the promise of the discount code. That is a difficult process to track as it's not something you want to necessarily deal with as a business owner. Uh, so it's better to just like have that process not exist because it saves you time and it saves the customer time and it saves everybody time. The second reason that I found incentivizing reviews didn't really work is that the quality of an incentivized review goes way down versus a review that's left from someone who just genuinely wanted to provide you with a review. 
I think the reason for this is because if, if, if someone genuinely wants to provide you a review, they're going to go and they're going to say their honest opinion and honest feedback. But if you're incentivizing five-star reviews with a discount code, they're going to go to your review page and they're going to leave five sentences or sorry, five words rather. If, if you know, even one word, they might just say great just so that they can get their discount. Hey, product would buy again. <laughs> great. Yeah, exactly. If you go to our reviews page for Groundhog, 90% of the reviews that we have are three paragraphs long or longer. And uh, that's because when we uh, ask for reviews, we do it based on uh, specific times and specific actions. Uh, so number one, uh, we track when customers reach what we call like a success benchmark, like launching their first funnel, maybe completing a course, having a successful resolution of a support ticket. And whenever someone is experiencing the high of a successful result with our product, we immediately send that review request. Uh, and people are obviously a lot more uh, susceptible to providing excellent feedback when they've experienced an excellent result. So um, when you, as a business owner, are sending review requests to Golden Nuggets, just avoid, avoid incentivization. Uh, at all costs, your review quality will go down and it's a difficult process to track and it's just uh, it's just not worth it. And when you're asking reviews, the correct time is just whenever your customer experiences a successful high. Uh, if it's uh, adoption of a product, a successful support ticket, actually a lot of my reviews come in at the end of a successful support ticket because they had a great experience with support. Um, or they've successfully completed some sort of like software, if you're a software product developer, some sort of software benchmark, like X number of users or like X number or like a funnel launching or uh, for uh, Stevens on the call. So maybe for a hosting company, it would be like your site goes live. I don't know how you would track that, but that would be like a great, you know, the, the, it's a great feeling. Your site well, we, live, we know, great we process, know. how well it went. <laughs> You should. You should add that in somehow. I don't know how that would work, uh, but uh, I'm not a hosting company, so I'm not going to speculate. Uh, those are those would be my my two golden nuggets, and uh, I will also share my best uh, review. I've tested a bunch of subject lines for the review email request when you're actually asking for uh, a review via email. The best subject line that I have is just "review please?" question mark, and uh, that gets like a forty percent open rate and a 35% click-through rate. So pretty phenomenal results on that. So what do you reckon about that, Spencer? I mean, I think it's just done a great job. And for those plugins that really serve people in a relationship, you definitely see the difference. Um, I think, you know, he's written, and I speak to him directly about this too, but like he's written that the priority is always about the customer first. And I think that that foundation is what will serve his efforts and anybody who does this efforts well, because I don't understand the kind of people who write software or do a service where they're anonymous, don't respond to people, don't really care about what people say until after they hear something bad and then they attack them. Because think about like in dating or personal life, would you ever hope to find the, the person of your dreams by being that way? Like, you know, going on an anonymous date and then not talking to the person, then yelling at them because they're asking you, why don't you act normally? I mean, but there oh, are really, you know, there's literally people who run businesses like that. So for those companies that want to get these reviews and can deal with them, 
I think it's a great job. And Adrian's been doing awesome with, uh, I think, maturing the product. You know, I still have some dreams of what Groundhog will be, but like as far as which direction it's going, I love the fact that it's really fitting into the ecosystem of what its customers want, and it, and it shows. Yeah, about, I think I think it was a great article because it gave it gave some pointers because you know getting reviews is important, um, but you know it's not easy. What do you reckon, Stephen? Yeah, uh, getting reviews is an important thing if you. <laughs> If you're good enough to get good reviews, uh, it can be like the bane of some companies' existence. So I think um, even companies that allow people to review them like on Google and stuff like that um, is a big deal because reviews will really show that um, the quality of service that they're providing. And I think everybody has gotten a better and better like BS filter to like what are real reviews and not review, not real reviews. So what Adrian was saying that like, you go on Amazon and you start reading through reviews and like, you know, really fast whether that person actually liked that product or if that person probably got that product for free and they wrote up some description. Um, and so I think as people's like filters are getting better and better, um, to Adrian's point, it's more and more important to not incentivize your reviews, get genuine reviews, really care about your customers. Um, and then I think his point about, um, when you ask people for reviews, super important because like, just my feelings about companies go up and down. And if you can hit people at the right point to get that review, it then solidifies that they have that feeling about that customer. And what I found is that feeling continues on for longer. So if you get somebody to review you at a five-star, they remember that review, they remember giving you five stars, and they have positive feelings towards your company for longer because they have this piece of information out there that says they love you. Yeah, the, yeah. the psychology behind like the five-star review, if you hit them at the right time, they like when someone gives you that review, they almost take on a portion of responsibility for the outwards outlook of your company. So as soon as they leave your review, they essentially become a brand ambassador and they're in other groups, uh, you know, promoting your product or or talking yeah. to other people who leave bad reviews. The psychology of that interaction is 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 super interesting. So not only is it just good for like PR and and social proof, but it, it it really builds brand ambassadors and 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 a following that's going. It to becomes a two way relationship, product. right? Because a product is oftentimes one way, like you're giving to your customer. Your customer like bought something, right? And so they expect something in return. But that review is them them doing something for you that is just them being nice, just like your support is doing stuff for them that's maybe above and beyond. And once you can get a relationship into a like a bi directional sort of thing. That's where people really start um, locking themselves in, like emotionally and psycho- psychologically, to a product, and like anyone saying, becomes an ambassador almost. Yeah. What, what do you reckon, John? But and also, you know, we're talking about you know plugins, but when it comes to local businesses, it's even more vital, isn't it? Yeah. No. For local businesses, you absolutely must get reviews on certain platforms, and that's that's one of the things that we talk about. I know you guys are talking about plugins, but in the context of uh, local SEO, the, th- the three main ones that you want to get reviews on are Google, Yelp, and then whatever uh, your niche uh, site is. Um, so, again, incentivizing reviews, you know, some people are going to leave good reviews. It's always better if they're leaving reviews because they were actually blown away by your service. Uh, Because when people just write a review because you asked them to, they're often 
not that eloquent or they're not really, um, you know, they kind of say the same things. Like this person was great, highly recommended. And, you know, that's kind of it. But the more uh, eloquent and more descriptive, the more uh, context that there is to these reviews, the better that's going to be from an SEO standpoint. And definitely as Stephen mentioned, people do have a, a really good BS meter. They can kind of tell when reviews are fake or incentivized. So no matter what you're trying to get a review for, whether it's a product, whether you're getting reviews on Trustpilot, whether you're getting reviews on the, the .org plugin repository or whatever, you want to get real reviews from people who are actually impressed with Bring up your a, product and service. You bring up a, a good point, though. Um, reviews posted locally on your site are worth so much less mm -hmm. than reviews on trusted kind of like review authority sites like Captera, yep. Trustpilot, Google, Facebook, the .org repo. So if you're like running like a WooCommerce site and you're collecting reviews for like specific products, like those are worth way less than if they saw the same review for a similar product on like a Google listing, like a Google product yep. listing or something like that. Indeed. Yeah. On to story five. Low code will completely change startups. What did you think of this one, then, Adrian? Um, so I actually had to Google low code a little bit because I didn't know what it was at first. I didn't do it before. Ever, <laughs> so essentially low code for anybody that doesn't know is is um essentially a way there there's certain software providers out there that allow you to drag and drop building blocks to build software apps. Think about like Elementor for building a software as a service application is basically what low code is. You can drag in like, all right, I want a map here and I want a chat feature here and I want a billing feature here. And you can build like these apps uh, with these drag and drop tools, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I kind of have... Monday.com uh, low code? Monday.com? I don't know. I don't know. I was just wondering, like, like the I, when I was reading through the article, I was trying to figure out if, like, there's, like, all these spreadsheets, like Asana and um, Monday.com type, like, task managing type apps. And I was wondering if that fit into that. Um, and I, I don't know. I was, that was just a question since you did some research into, like, what low code. So, so low code is, like, uh, I don't know if those apps were built with low code, but they're not low code apps. Okay. Right? So, so a low code platform would be the thing that built the app. And then, anyway. Uh, I kind of have a low-code app because marketing automation is technically low-code because if you're using stuff like Groundhog or ActiveCampaign or Infusionsoft, they all have these drag-and-drop tools that allow you to build workflows that, you know, create these customer journeys. That's pretty, that, that's, that pretty fits the similar description of low-code. Uh, and it kind of just like takes it a step further where you're building these software apps uh, that provide an all-inclusive customer journey. So not just maybe like email marketing, but also... The, the website and the forms and the billing and the maps and everything is kind of like integrated together. Um, the, I, guess the, I guess the question is, how prevalent is this going to be in the future? And is this something that we as developers or business owners should be investing serious amount of time in? Eh, it's, uh, it's the, 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 Broadness of the abilities of these platforms at the moment is pretty limited. Yeah. Uh, they have few features, and it, it's basically 
It's basically like WordPress for building apps almost because with WordPress, we can build these great websites using drag and drop tools and installing certain plugins and all of these stuff. And we as a community have built the building blocks to build easy manipulative sites while these low code platforms are essentially just like WordPress building blocks for, for I guess, higher echelon stuff like, uh, like app store apps for iPhone and Android and, and maybe some software uh, browser apps as well. It's a bit of a contradiction because when I was reading the article, I was also thinking about our interview guest yesterday for our interview show, um, Adrian. You know, we were talking about JavaScript and I, I you know, asked him, did you use React? And he said, no, I, I stayed with you and a bit of jQuery, didn't he? And in some ways, development and asked you, you know, how much, you know, um, JavaScript and you, you you were quite honest and you said you've stayed with PHP and a, and a bit of jQuery. Um, you haven't really got into React. In some ways, it's got more complicated being a, a front-end developer, isn't it? Over there's the like, there's like a thousand years. different yeah, this thing is, It's the total opposite. It's saying, you know, when I read about a modern development um, environment and all the, like, gub and grunts and all, all these all these things you're gonna get set up just to do a bit of a uh, bit of a uh, modern development and what, what even remembering all the tools and the things you're gonna have to use I, I think god this is a lot more complicated than when i was a active front-end developer uh, um so it's, it's like two contradictory kind of streams do you think is anything to that or am i just waffling adrian I, I no, you're not. Uh, being being a front end developer is a lot more difficult than than it used to be. Um, and in some ways, it's also easier because if you know React, then front end development is really easy, and you can whip stuff up. But if you don't know, like I don't, because I'm not that bright, uh, then you know I just stick with what I know and manipulate the DOM and use PHP, and it's janky in some places, but it gets the job done. And at the end of the day. As long as it gets the job done, the customer doesn't really care how it's done. And, and we talked about that yesterday. I, so think we just, these- I was going to say, we just started rebuilding our plugin um, in React, like the whole admin section, using like uh, some components from Gutenberg to kind of build that to get like a similar look and feel around everything. Um, but to what you guys were saying about how hard it is, is that 50% of it lives in JavaScript and React, 50% of it lives in PHP. And there's like another 1%, which makes it like 101%, but like just lives in like weird Java, like jQuery and HTML kind of land. Because like WordPress is in this middle space right now and you can't do everything you want without being able to like manage all of these languages and technologies. And I think that's what makes it really hard. I think in the future it's going to become easier as everything is either going to be powered by JavaScript and React on WordPress or everything is going to be powered by PHP because Gutenberg blew up. I don't know why that would happen. But like um, the, the problem is that there's so many different lands you have to live in right now in the WordPress world to get things to work in between everything that it is exhausting and it's, frust- it's very frustrating if you don't have a firm grasp of any one of those technologies. Mm. What do you write, Spencer? Well, I've been following a low um, low code diet for a while now, and I feel great. I lost twenty five pounds, and it's amazing. You know, uh, this is the 
I mean, this is, I can't really improve on what was said other than to say th this is the future. And certainly um, in WordPress itself, we've seen this exemplified uh, for those who actually do code outside the WordPress ecosystem and do stuff. Uh, I was reading about that the other day, even the big companies, the Facebooks, whatever, the engineers are no longer of any use. They're carrying around a bunch of people who are just using pre-made libraries. And as those further refine themselves with AI, so that you just say, this is the outcome I want, and the AI goes and grabs everything it needs and improves it along the way, uh, people are going to have to move from pure code writing engineering jobs into more user experience or user interaction roles. Um, it's just the way it is. I mean, if I use a metaphor that comes to mind completely opposite, but yet it's, uh, I fly airplanes and I've been, you know, a hobbyist of cars. And in the old days, cars were very mechanical. There is not a car around today, even a fuel burning car that doesn't have a computer that controls every aspect of the ignition and the brakes and the electrical system and so forth. In the old days, it used to be all mechanical relays and, you know, vacuum tubes and wires. And you had to have a sort of, oh, I hear what's wrong. The computer now you plug a little tool into and you reset things and it's done. In the same way, that's how it's going to be for your outcome on whatever the interface may be. It's going to be a screen. It's going to be an audio device, your eyeglasses. There will be AI bots that will assemble code for the outcome you want that somebody will pick from a list of menus that will be ever improving by itself. And it's a little frightening, but it's also like, okay, push people to interact with people more often because last little philosophical thing is that somewhere along the way from Aldous Huxley and George Orwell and everything else, we lost track of the fact that the whole point of what we're doing with code and software was not to continually generate more busy work for people to do more stuff. I thought the whole promise was we're all supposed to be sitting on a beach waxing philosophical about the meaning of life. And instead, we're having people like trying to figure out how to cram a living out of writing more stuff. And that doesn't seem to be the purpose of this. So I suppose we'll see. Well, is like I say, but in some ways I agree with you, but it's just a contradiction. Like, 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 um, just for the fun of it, like a couple of months ago, I, I did a React course um, just to see if I could cope with the principles. Um, not that I planned to become a React programmer, and I quite enjoyed it. But the, just getting the thing set up, um, just getting it, getting all the tools on a Mac and getting it all set up, there was there was like seven different tools. That, that you had to utilize to get the get the development environment set up and uh, it took me two days to work out the bugs of that and I was thinking oh my godfather so in some ways I agree with you Spencer something's gonna have to change because if that's the normal experience um, uh, um to become a up-to-date modern front-end developer um I think we can do something a bit more simpler um but also um, I sense that 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 crowd in that in that area. In some ways, they love all these terms and all these, you know. Well, it's like the interface on a phone where you're the kid who knows the triple finger twist swipe is what unlocks the whatever, but your your mom or dad doesn't know it. When you hear the developers, you know, I'm not saying I'm so out of it, but like. Oh, and I use Grunt to mix with Node.js with this and this. And they, they say the formula, how they bake their cookies. And you're like, really? Really? Mm -hmm. Like, is that really more efficient than just like a little, like, here's your 
your text editor at PHP and JavaScript jQuery? Like, really? No, I think they just like the fact that they go, look what I know. <laughs> and, you know, ultimately it leads to some kind of middle ground of something functional. But man, oh man, there's so many things we've talked about on this show and I've seen over the last 20 years where it's just like, look at what this is going to do. And then there's no practical use for it at all because it's so esoteric that only the person who wrote it thinks it saves any time or effort. Everybody else is still, you know, with a chisel and a tablet. So, really well, easy to get lost in building stuff for the sake of building stuff and not like the business case behind it. And really like that's all that matters. Like is what you're building going to actually do something? Back in another life, I was like, I was a React developer. Um, and I kind of like looked down on like WordPress and like the WordPress community and all of that stuff. I, I, don't, I don't advertise this very often, but this has to do with this conversation. And like I've worked for several different startups like in LA and stuff. But um, the amount of time that was wasted by dev teams and myself building things from scratch to launch a product that no one ever cared about, like is insane. And all of a sudden in, we were like, hey, you know what? If we just quickly grab WordPress, we can do like these five or six things, launch a product and let's see if it works. The amount of money that was spent on that and the amount of iterations that we could do on that allowed us to actually build a successful product that we were able to launch, people bought, and we could iterate fast versus all these previous startups that I had been a part of. Like we built these monolithic things, finally launched them. Nobody won them. We couldn't make any changes because it took so long to like program everything from scratch. And um, it just like opened my eyes and why I like converted, you know, over into the WordPress land because what you can do and what you can build from a business use case perspective and the efficiencies baked in is just mind blowing. I think it's sometimes easy to like, look at like what you were saying, Spence, like all these bells and whistles, like, Oh, I'm building my Node.js pack with, or Node.js like with Webpack. And I got all of these different plugins and things that I'm using from NPM. And, um, Did you grunt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, people, <laughs> That's people the term I really People, don't, oh, people don't grunt anymore. You, you Webpack. What, what, Webpack is the bright new future. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing gulp. Like, it doesn't matter what about gulp yeah, did you gulp or grunt uh, I used gulp the gulp grunt. I used the gulp um, <laughs> but it doesn't matter like what matters at the end it's like what's the business case are you fulfilling those things are your end users happy what do they want and it's easy to get lost in like all those mundane details and it's still hard for me sometimes not to get pulled into Can that. Can you imagine you know? it going to the director's level of a company and you got your fellow directors and you, you're the director of IT and you're saying, oh, we can either use grunt or gub. <laughs> guys, 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 Can you imagine the look you get? But it's a Composer's where it's at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine, uh, imagine the looks of the fellow directors that think you've lost the plot a long time ago? What? What exciting times we live in. <laughs> yeah, it does. All right, this, this, I'm going to cut it off now. We're going to go off for our recommendations. So, um, Adrian, you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of views that's come on your radar at all? Yeah, so, I mean, we didn't we didn't get to story five, and Chris isn't here to vouch for it, so I will do it on his behalf. Mm. Uh, he created a great pricing calculator for... Uh, course creators who don't necessarily know how to value their expertise and their courses. Uh, pricing is the most difficult task when starting a new business and, and, and trying to figure out where you fit in your market and, and finding that product market fit. 
the wrong pricing can price you out of the market while too low pricing can make sure that nobody wants to actually buy your product. And it's just this super, you know, there's a, there's a sweet spot in the middle and he has a great, he has, it's just a three questions. He answered those three questions and he comes up with a recommended price. And uh, I, I ran through it a couple of times for different scenarios. I think it really checks out. And I, I'd recommend that if you're currently looking or trying to figure out where you fit in the market, this will help you decide on at least an initial price point. You can always change it later, and, but it'll at least give you a starting benchmark so you don't have to fret and worry about, am I launching at the right price point? That's great. Thanks for that, Adrian. Michelle, got anything that's come on your radar you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Actually, actually I do. I saw a tweet come out about the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point has actually some free online courses you can take. One of them is building websites. There's one about working with WordPress. There's um, one about leadership, one about customer service, but they're all free and uh, registration ends June 30th. And there you go, Michelle. The, there's a course for our president, leadership. I'm sorry. Oh, I couldn't help it. Uh, can you make sure you can put all the link, links in? To yes, chat, I can. Michelle. Oh, great. Thanks for that. And you didn't laugh. At, I thought that was a pretty good joke there, Michelle, but oh, all right. Fair enough. Um, Spencer, Spencer, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Uh, came across a very simple, straightforward plugin. Extremely well done. Anybody who's using WooCommerce who wants to very quickly add custom fields to the product so that they get added to the order, which is different than doing custom user meta fields, which get saved with the user. But if you have a product, we had a client we're doing a project on where they're doing graphics for trucks. So it was just so simple. Even though you can do this with uh, Advanced Custom Fields Pro, this plugin is called uh, Advanced Product Fields for WooCommerce. It's free for up to five fields. And then I just went out and bought the plugin. It was only 49 bucks because it was like baked into the product ACF ready to go. So for anybody who wants to add custom fields to a product, when you check it out in WooCommerce, free or paid, whether you're using Launch Flows or whether you're using WP Fusion or anything else, this is the plugin to use, even if you like ACF, because it saved me two or three other steps and two or three other integrations with ACF. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, that's great. And yeah. I'd like to mention your um, your demo that you did with uh, Matt Medeiros on, um, I think it was on his plugin channel. WP Tuck channel, yeah. Yeah, it was, a great, it was a great demo and a great interview. I thought you did a great job on there. Uh, I'll make sure that's in the sh- in the recommendation. That can be my recommendation because I did watch it and I thought you did a great job. Oh, it's good for anybody who's curious. Matt is a great interviewer and uh, obviously a friend of the show. I told him we miss him here as well, but uh, he asked really good questions. And he used that product that I've been trying that I'm going to try to use again, that StreamYard, which is really fun for doing shows because you need a second monitor. But if you have a second monitor for your controls, it's got like the chat and the overlays and the person's question shows up. The graphics are outstanding. And we were able to do a really great interaction. So uh, it streams your thing live to Facebook. I, maybe you'll try it someday for this show because it'll allow you to take your content and put it out there as well. Yeah, sure. Stephen, got anything you want to recommend? Uh, yeah, Coden WP uh, has a pretty sweet blog about building option pages with Gutenberg. So if that's something that you're interested in, 
Um, like we were just talking about Berlin plugins using some Gutenberg blocks. Um, is a, they have a pretty good article and pretty good uh, kind of intro that you can download from their GitHub repository that will get you kicked off. That's great. John, have you got anything you want to recommend? Oh, yes, I do. Uh, we are recording this on Juneteenth. And a lot of people, I think, still do not know what Juneteenth is. So I am going to put a link in here. This is to Juneteenth.com. For those who don't know, that is the day that the, the last enslaved people in America, in Galveston, Texas, found out that they were actually free. This is two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. But there's a big push to make this a national holiday. Um, there, it is a holiday in Texas, but it's something that I did not even know about until a few years ago. So go check it out, read it, read about it, and find out what it is, and uh, just something good. Yeah, make, make sure all the links into chat. It does help mm -hmm. me to get them. Well, thank you, panel. I thought that was a, a really interesting show. We'll see you next week, listeners and viewers, where we have another great panel, and hopefully I will rustle up some reasonably interesting stories, and I will do my, my best not to repeat a story. Uh, um, I normally don't do that. Uh, um, and we'll see you next week, folks. See you soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.